I'd like to read from Galatians chapter 5, beginning in 22 through the end of the chapter. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I don't know if you are a a person who's a a student of the English language or not, but I'm a bit of a student of the English language. And um, I find it interesting to think about what it must mean for someone who doesn't have English as their first language to try to learn English. So they come here to Canada, they're here for just a short time, and uh, naturally they want to talk to Canadians so that they can learn English, and so they start trying to converse with Canadians, and then they, they discover that there are words in our language that have multiple meanings, even though it's the same word. It's spelled the same, it sounds the same, but it's got all kinds of different meanings. For example, the subject of this morning is the word good or goodness, like good news, News that is favorable or pleasing, like if the Stampeders beat the Rough Riders, for example. It's good news for many of us who are in Calgary. If they beat them twice at home in the same season, it's really good news. Okay? I don't know if that's happened. Has that happened recently? Oh, I got, I've got some dirty looks here, folks. Dirty looks. People won't even respond. They're just like, no, this isn't funny. No. So that's good news. There is good land. Good land. Now, that's not the same thing as good news. Fertile, it sustains life. Uh, if, if David Bailey has good land, it produces a good crop, he would say. But that's entirely different from good news. It might be good news to David, but it's good land and good news. That's not the same kind of thing. There are good looks. You can be handsome or beautiful, like what the preacher is not. Okay, you thought I was going to be really arrogant for a moment, didn't you? And you thought I was going to be wrong, too. (laughs) There are things that are good to eat, which means that they're healthy or tasty. Uh, Robin's preparation of navy beans and ham is good to eat. If you haven't had navy beans and ham, you need to eat that stuff. You can have... One good arm or one good eye. Which means that it works correctly. Works the way that it's supposed to. Completely different kind of thing than saying it's good to eat. Okay? Good to eat? Good arm? No. Different things entirely. You can have good investments. Which means that they bring about some kind of positive return. Obviously, it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with moral quality. You could have a morally really bad investment, but it could be a good investment if it brings a positive return. What would someone coming from another culture do with that? It's a good investment. What does that mean? Something can be good for another year. Well, that just means it's sufficient. It's probably going to last. We hoped for a long time that our roof would be good for another year, but it kept leaking on all of you. So we had to put a new one on. An experience can be good for a laugh. 
which means, obviously, it makes people laugh or it's going to make people laugh. But again, it may have nothing to do with moral quality. You could tell a very dirty joke that would be good for a laugh, uh, but it has nothing to do with, with any kind of goodness as we would think of that. Someone you loan money to or from whom you expect a contribution can be good for it. I know they'll be good for that. But what does that mean? It has nothing to do with goodness. It just means we think they're going to pay the loan back. You can make a good deal, meaning that it's going to bring some profit. You can have a good time. Again, maybe having nothing to do with moral quality. It just means that the experience was pleasing or fun. A certain food or a medicine can be good for a cold. Good for a cold. What does that mean? Does it mean that the cold says, thank you? Well, of course not. It means that it's good to get rid of the cold, that it was healing. A joke can be good, meaning that it was amusing or that it was clever. You can win by a good margin. Or we could have a good number of people out at family camp. That's simply a reference to number, and it doesn't mean anything else besides that. You can have a good reason, meaning that your action or your thought is well-founded or defensible. Something can hold good for the majority of people, meaning that it tends to be true. You can be in good standing with a group of people. Your loved one might receive good care. All these things mean something entirely different, but it's the same word. There were 20 or 25 different definitions of the word good when I looked it up in the dictionary this week. And I was kind of amazed. I didn't expect that, but that's exactly the way that it is. You could even be a good conservative or a good Canadian. Or... You could say that there are certain images that are good. Now, if I say to you the word lamb, don't you just you think of a good lamb, a, a blessed little creature that's just kind and sweet and soft? And then you see this. <laughs> Does that look like goodness and gentleness to you? (laughs) Rebecca was working on the bulletin this week, and we were going through photos on the computer trying to find one for goodness and gentleness. And I said, "Well, pick you know, look up lamb. That'll be that'll be a cute image. There'll be a a precious little lamb." And she came up with this one. So here's what we've done: we've taken the copy of this, and we've made several copies of it, and we put it on Chris's desk so that when she gets back tomorrow, she's going to think that was the bulletin for today. Uh, she's going to wonder what we were doing while she was gone. <laughs> now, the problem is, I don't have another slide to get away from... I'll go backwards. There we go. Okay, otherwise you'd be staring at it the, the whole time, wondering what that's all about. Well, the goodness that we're talking about today is completely different, really, than, than the kind of goodnesses that we're talking about, or that we've been mentioning already. Because this goodness comes from a different place. It has something to do with something else. Our context really is what determines what good we're talking about. Like I could say to you, we're talking about good fruit. And you might immediately think of like the peach that I had this week that was just dripping with sweetness and I had to eat it over the sink because it was just gushing with juiciness. It was just absolutely wonderful. But good fruit of that kind is not at all, of course, what we're talking about. We're talking about an entirely different kind of fruit. And so in our context, skipping past that one, which is still really cute, 
Our context for goodness is that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the kind of goodness we're talking about. It has to do with a person's character. It has to do with who we are. It has to do with what the Holy Spirit is wanting to make of us. It has to do with what you should be. With what I should be. If I just ask the question this morning, do you consider yourself good? Do you consider yourself good? The question was asked of Jesus. Or someone said to him, good teacher. And Jesus said, no one is good but God alone. And there's a sense in which that's exactly right. Of course, Jesus himself, we would all say, is good. I think what Jesus was doing there when he says no one is good but God alone is actually just trying to bring glory to his father. Because he loved him so much. He held the father in such esteem that he says, nobody is good but God alone. And points to the Father, wanting us to give all glory to the Father. But it doesn't take away at all from the idea that God wants us to be good. He wants us to reflect something of goodness. He wants other people to be able to say about us, He's a good man. She is a good person. He is a good father. She is a good mother. They're a good friend. God wants us to be able to say those things about each other. Here's what I would say about goodness. It is a part of a person's character or personality. Shaped by the presence of God's spirit. That seems so clear to me from Galatians 5.22. Shaped by the presence of God's spirit in his or her life where he or she emulates the character of God in the way others are treated in action, speech, and thought. Now you can think about that, whether or not you think that fits the definition of what you think goodness should be. But it seems to me that that fits. Which means that in ways in which we fall down, in ways in which we're not quite what we should be there, we need to think about what that means for us. How should our lives be different? How should they reflect goodness in these ways? Now there's two kind of basic points I want to make about this this morning. The first one is this. The presence of God's Spirit And the character of God is both the source and standard of our goodness. Now this is interesting. Because one of the things that we would say about our world today is that they've lost this sense of a standard. If we ask the average person on the street what is good, they may well be able to tell you what it is. They might be able to say, goodness is when you do this kind of nice thing for another. Good is when you give to the poor. Good is when you help out those who are in need. Good is when you treat 
kindly those who can't treat you kindly. They can probably define for you goodness. But if you ask them where that comes from, they may have some trouble telling you. They might say something like, well, it comes from the idea that we're all together on this planet. We all live in the same place and we have to treat each other well in order for the whole thing to work. Unless they have some kind of religious bent, and I would say, of course, unless they're Christian, they're not going to be able to say that goodness comes from this source and standard of God. And personally, I think that's one of the reasons that God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. He comes to show us what it means to live well before him. He comes to show us what goodness is all about. He reveals his character to us in the person of Jesus so that we can really understand what goodness is. He knows that if we don't see that kind of standard, we may well change the definition of goodness. And that's exactly what the world at times has done. There are times in the history of humankind when to be good by someone's definition, because it's kind of relative based on where you live and the period of history in which you live, the people that you're around, that definition of goodness can change. And so goodness could be, in 1939, in Nazi Germany, goodness could be reporting on the Jews who live next door, who are harboring others. And so what you would think of today as the very antithesis of good actually could, for them, be good because it tends to differ with the generation or with the context you're in. Good could mean certain kind of relationships in our society. My Bible seems to condemn and say that relationships, certain kind of relationships between the same sex are wrong. But our society tends to want to change the definition of goodness when it comes to that. And so it won't be long, if we're not careful, if we use a different kind of standard before things really are different. And before that which is good is called evil, and that which is evil is called good. Doesn't the Bible say something about that? And that's exactly what can happen if we have no standard. And so God becomes our standard and our source for goodness. We need to keep that in mind, church. The second thing I want to say is this. Our level of goodness should be measured not just by how we treat those who love us or need us, but by the way we treat, speak to, and speak about those specifically with whom we disagree. Now you know, and I know, how easy it is For us to lapse into something different. Do you have anybody with whom you disagree? Most of us do. If it's not somebody personally, then maybe it is, in fact, a mindset. Maybe it's a perspective. Maybe it's another religion. It is so easy for us to lapse into destructive gossiping kind of talk about those with whom we disagree. And unfortunately, we can do it in the church just as easily as people can do it outside the church. And so somebody develops a perspective on something with which I disagree. I have every right to absolutely disagree with them. I don't think I have the right to disagree with them in a disagreeable way. 
In fact, my sense is that goodness will call me to treat them well and maybe treat especially well those with whom I do disagree. In fact, I think I would find myself doing things like turning my other cheek. I think I would find myself praying for those who hate you and do good to them. I think I would find myself recognizing in someone else maybe a behavior that I don't approve of. Seeing a decision that they make and thinking, that's the wrong decision. But treating them with respect and kindness, despite the disagreement that exists between the two of us. There is an expression, civil discourse. Civil discourse simply meaning that two people can sit down and disagree, maybe disagree absolutely on an issue. But nonetheless, speak to each other with love and kindness and respect, listening, hearing as much as you speak, trying to put yourself in the other person's shoes, trying to understand where they're coming from. I think all of that has to do with goodness. The presence of God's spirit and the character of God as both source and standard of our goodness. Our level of goodness should be measured not just by how we treat those who love us or need us, but by the way we treat, speak to, and speak about those with whom we disagree. I think that has an awful lot to do with what it means to be good. If God's spirit is living in you, my Bible indicates in places like Romans chapter 8, that you are to be changed. You can't have the Holy Spirit living within you and not be changed if he's really alive in your life. And I want to encourage you this morning to think about what it means for the Spirit to live within you with respect to goodness. Our level of goodness should be measured not just by how we treat those who love us or need us, but by the way we treat, speak to, and speak about those with whom we disagree. I think that's important. And if God were to work in our lives through his spirit to transform us, then attitudes and speech about others, our perspectives on the behaviors of others, it would all change. In 1982, I went to work with a church in Southern California. There was a couple there who, when Robin and I first got there, they had been married for, I think, 67 years. His name was O.J. Warren. His wife's name was Rosa. And you have seen their son numerous times. If you, you may not know it. But all of you probably have seen an ad on TV for eHarmony.com. Have you seen eHarmony? The fellow who 
is the spokesman, the founder, it says, of eHarmony, is Dr. Neil Warren. And you see him on television. He's got real white hair now. When I knew him, he didn't have such white hair. And his parents were O.J. and Rosa Warren. And they were members of our church in, in California. Neil had grown up in that church, went to Pepperdine. He's a Pepperdine grad, member of the Church of Christ, founded eHarmony.com. I bring up O.J. because O.J. Warren, at 90 or whatever it was when I first met him, was almost the epitome of what I would call good. And the thing that I noticed was that it didn't matter what event was taking place in the church. O.J. always saw in it something positive. He had the ability at 90 years old to talk about everything as if it was the most wonderful thing in the world. And I know that there were decisions that were made with which O.J. disagreed. But he had, I think, the spirit of Christ within him. And the ability, because Christ was living in him, to see the good in the things that were happening. And so at 90 years old, when I'm there, I want to be like O.J. Warren. Not that I want to just agree with everything. O.J. didn't just agree with everything. But he confronted everything in his life with grace. Can you do that? When somebody does something that you don't like, can you put yourself in their shoes and maybe wonder why it is they did it? Do you have the ability to give them the benefit of the doubt? To treat them with grace-filled responses and words? I think when we can, we're beginning to get at the root of what goodness is about. And the way in which the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives to transform us in our relationships with people. We've been talking now about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. I didn't really even get to gentleness today. Next week, we'll talk about faithfulness. We'll finish up with self-control. It's all about the Holy Spirit taking control of our hearts and therefore our actions, thoughts, words, and becoming different people as the Holy Spirit lives within us. And I want to say we can do this, church. But we can do it not because of any inherent abilities within ourselves. We can do it because God's Spirit really does want to change us all. Let's pray. Father, we want our speech to reflect you. We want our treatment of others to reflect you. We want our, our thoughts to reflect you. And we thank and praise you for the chance we have to read, to hear, to be changed by your spirit.
Change us, God. Make us different. For those, especially, Father, who find themselves struggling with the ability to be good, empower them. Strengthen them in you, especially, God, in their relationships with others. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Let me finish with this. And I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm bound to get myself in trouble. Because whenever I say something about my wife, she gets embarrassed. And I don't want to embarrass her. But it is a pleasure for me to watch my daughter growing to become like her mother. And that's because my wife possesses the quality of goodness. And there are few people I know who do things that are good for others and treat others with kindness and gentleness simply for the sake of doing the good thing. Most of us do it for some ulterior motive. We want praise from somebody, or we know somebody's watching, or we want something in return. My wife does good things because they are good to do. She just wants to do good things. And so I just wanted to say, especially to you younger ladies today, you need to pick out somebody like my wife who is a good person and live like them and you will do well. I say that partially because we had our anniversary this week and I'm in love with my wife. She needs to know it.